The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Roto World Football Podcast. I'm your host, Raymond Summerlin, and I'm joined today, this special Thursday, as I am every single other, I guess, non special Thursday, by Nick Minzio to talk about the best starts and most notable sets for week 12 of the fantasy football season. And then I'll be joined later on by Rich Rebar to talk about some of the most interesting data points from his worksheet column. So make sure you you stay tuned for that. Before we get to all of that action, however, as I do every week, I want to tell you the best way you can help the show is by rating and reviewing wherever you find it, whether that be iTunes, Stitcher, or some other service. Rating and reviewing helps us in the rankings. It helps other people find the show. And that obviously helps us out a lot. So we really appreciate it if you do that. Those of you who have already done it, thank you so much. If you haven't done it, take a few minutes, rate and review, and we we would appreciate it. All right. With that out of the way, let's get to uh let's get to Nick. What what's up, Nick? Hey, actually, what what are you eating right now? Because we record these on Wednesday. I think people know that. It's Thursday, people are listening to this, you know, maybe trying to avoid their families listening about some football. On Thursday, theoretically right uh, now, what are you eating? Th- theoretically right now, uh <laughs> All your usual stuff, you know, man. Turkey, mashed potatoes, mashed potatoes with a goat, the goat <laughs> uh, side dish on Thanksgiving. Agreed, agreed. My family makes some horrible stuffing, though. I normally like stuffing, but the, the stuff they make on Thanksgiving is just absolute trash. They have Throwing the family under the bus. They put apples in. I'm like, what is this garbage? You know what you need to try? So last on last week's pod with Rich, I talked about a dessert called pumpkin pie cake, which is fantastic. If you want to throw a different side in there, there's a, there's a side that my family's made for years. It's called corn casserole. I guarantee you there are recipes for it on, on the interwebs. Corn casserole, it's got cornbread, cream corn, regular corn, cheese. Bake it up all together. Everything you could ever want. Every starch you could ever want and love. Is it sounds this. really good for your like fiber, but like the cheese will like you know block you up, and then it's just like. <laughs> It's terrible. Two opposites hitting each other, you know? It's the worst thing you could possibly put in your face, but it is mm, un unbelievable. I just I just love it. Anyway, that's enough food talk. We'll get off the we'll get off the food. We'll talk about a little bit of I'm really if you can't tell, I'm really excited about Thanksgiving. This is my favorite holiday and it's not even <laughs> I hate Thanksgiving, honestly. What is wrong with you? I'm just not I'm not a big like food person. I mean, I love food, obviously, but like I guess our family's cooking isn't as good as other people's. 
you also told me before the show you don't like pie, which I just I can't oh, even. Oh, dude, pie I, is I can't so even horrible. Pie is gross, dude. I can't even fathom you don't like pie. It's unbelievable. I, I don't even know if we can be friends anymore. Pie crust is just disgusting. It's just, like it's flaky and uh, just dry and gross. This is his Denny Carter bad take. Like this is such a bad food take. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> We're gonna uh, move. We're gonna move past this, so we can re- we can we can keep our friendship. As always, let's let's get started with with some news. Um, as expected, I think Andrew Luck was ruled out on Wednesday. He's not going to play on Thanksgiving, which leaves Scott Tolzien to uh, to start for the Colts, which is not ideal to start with. And then, kind of to add another injury to the mix, Dante Moncrief was added to the injury report Wednesday as questionable with a hamstring injury. Is there anybody on this offense you are excited to play this week? I actually do not mind Frank Gore too much, honestly. I, I with Tolzien on their center, I think he's going to get more more volume. You know, uh, he could get twenty plus touches, somewhere around eighteen to twenty would be my guess. But the only problem is, I mean, Pittsburgh's going to be expecting that they should be able to stack the box against Tolzien. He's not going to make anyone pay for leaving single coverage outside. So, I mean, if I was going to play anyone, it'd be Frank Gore, and then. Adam Vinatieri, obviously, too. Yeah, I think Frank Gore is the call. I think that's that's the right answer. And Moncrief was a he was a set even if he was healthy, even if he was going to play, because he needs touchdowns as we've seen the last three games, and and those are going to be much more unlikely with Tolzien. And I would say, I mean, on the other side of this, on the Steelers, there's reason for concern about stacking up the Steelers. We saw last week with Cleveland that Cleveland couldn't move the football, and they were and the Steelers on the road were just content to run the football, run out the clock, and, and just kind of play it that way. If Tolzien can't move the offense, we could see kind of a repeat of that game plan this week. And I talk about situational betting a lot on the show. I think situational betting is really a really interesting way to approach things. And if you look at this situation, this situation points you towards an under. So in games with seven-plus point road favorites since 2010, the under is 55-32-1. That is a massive, massive number in betting. It's 17 and two in those types of situations in the last two seasons, including New England at San Francisco last week and Pittsburgh at Cleveland last week. So these games with big road favorites, they tend to go under. I think that I think I might be fading Big Ben on the DFS slate, Thanksgiving slate this week. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I like the two quarterbacks in that Dallas Washington game better. Definitely Kirk Cousins. I, Kirk Cousins, I'd lean toward him, especially with the price on FanDuel. Dak Prescott's price jumped up pretty high for Thursday, so I like Cousins a lot in that game. I'm I'm fading Big Ben for sure, but I'll play A.B. and Le'Veon Bell all day long. In some more terrible news, uh, it looks like Stephon Diggs is going to sit out the Thanksgiving game. He missed practice on Tuesday and Wednesday. This is actually not a bad spot for the passing game going up against the Lions, so I think someone is going to return value. Who do you think it's going to be? I really like Rudolph the best, honestly. Uh, especially with DeAndre Levy still looking like he's not going to play. Beat reporters expect him to play next week and make his return from a lengthy absence. I think he's been off for like three months now. We know the Lions are already terrible against tight ends, especially with uh, Sam Bradford looking over the middle, short dump-offs. Could lead, could lead to more uh, targets for Kyle Rudolph. Yeah, and I agree with that. And on the receivers, I would say that I think Adam Thalen is the better play. He had seven catches for 127 yards and a touchdown in the last game that Diggs missed. But, I mean, it is important to note that Cordero Cordero Patterson has five more targets in the last three games, which is obviously under the new coordinator. 
And Patterson is actually cheaper on both sites in Daily Fantasy. So something to keep in mind as you move forward. And let's let's close this out with some good news, which it seems like we very rarely talk about good news. Let's close it out with some good news, and that's that Sammy Watkins returned to practice on Wednesday. He called himself 100% healthy. It looks like he's going to play against the Jaguars, although I would imagine he's going to be limited, even if he suits up. I doubt anyone's going to feel real comfortable playing him in a decently tough matchup this week, but do you think he can be a factor down the stretch? Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't play him this week. I know he, after after the practice today, he said uh, if he could play a game tomorrow, he said probably not, so I don't know what that's going to shape up for Sunday. So even if he plays Sunday, he's definitely going to be limited, but he has that awesome schedule down the stretch against the Raiders, the Browns. He gets the Jets in Week 17, which doesn't really matter too much, but for daily leagues, that's a that's a big get for him. So I think, obviously, like you wrote in your waiver wire earlier this week, he's an He's a must-add anywhere he's available. Obviously, yeah. I, obviously, I agree with that. I wrote it, and uh, you've just you just hit me with the me trump card. <laughs> um, it's always the best way to win an argument with me. I um, but yeah, and you you mentioned the schedule, the Steelers, also the Dolphins, which is not a you know as great a matchup as it was early in the year. Still a good matchup. He needs to be added everywhere. All right, let's get to the guys you like and dislike this week. We'll start off with Rashard Matthews, who. Did not score a touchdown last week, which would have been what he had been doing, but he did post his first 100-yard game of the season, which actually might be more promising for him moving forward. Now they get a Bears team, which is just an absolute disarray. Do you like him to continue his hot run this week? Definitely. I mean, over the past month, he's played 87% of the snaps, averaging 5.5 catches, 71.5 yards, a touchdown per game over this past four games, eight targets per game, running as the clear number one there, and just this Chicago Bears Chicago Bears defense looked like the whole team is just laying down now. Everyone's hurt. There's no reason to even like try anymore. And over the past month, the Bears have allowed the second most fantasy points to receivers, allowing over 200 yards per game just to receivers. So there's plenty to go around in this game for the Titans receivers. Yeah, I agree completely. I would say that, you know, you mentioned Watkins schedule. I would say on the other side, Matthew's schedule is pretty terrible the rest of the way. This might be the last week you really feel comfortable using him. They have the bye next week, that really late, ridiculous bye. Then they get the Broncos, Chiefs, Jaguars, and Texans to close out the season. The Chiefs are the only reasonable matchup there, and he plays primarily on Marcus Peters' side. So something to think about if your league allows late-season trades, maybe, maybe a guy to sell high on, especially if he has a big week this week. With Larry Donnell completely out of the picture, Will Ty has 20 targets in the last three games. He scored his first touchdown of the season last week. He hasn't done much else with the work, but you think that's going to change this week against the Browns? Yeah, I mean, this is the ultimate awesome matchup. Ty's playing over 76% of the snaps since taking over the starter. 6.3 targets per game. Browns are up next. Uh, They've allowed the most catches, most yards, most touchdowns to tight ends, most fantasy points. I mean, it checks all the boxes here. This game should be up in pace, too. Both teams are top eight in pace, so this one could turn into a bit of a shootout if the Browns can muster up any sort of offense with Josh McCown. Yeah, and you'd like it better with Josh McCown. We talked about that a couple weeks ago when we were talking about streaming a Browns quarterback. You'd like it better. You like their offense, at least their passing game, better if McCown's in there, and he's going to be. And Eli Manning called Will Ty a strong weapon for the offense earlier this week, said they have to keep him involved. I think it's a great call. I think I think Ty's going to be pretty good. A guy that might not be so good is Kenny Britt, who remained the number one receiver in Jared's Goff's first start, but that did not go well. He finished with fewer than 50 yards 
for the third time in four games. He does get the Saints this week, but is this kind of a situation to avoid until further notice? Yeah, I mean, the, the matchup looks good on paper, but the Saints defense has been playing actually a lot better of late, too. They have they held Cam Newton under 200 yards passing last week on the road. They shut down Trevor Simeon for the most part at home. Uh, Colin, Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick didn't do too much after the first half in that game. Uh, I just do not like this spot for Britt at all. Like we said last week, Jared Goff was terrible. He attempted five passes over 10 yards through the air, didn't complete any of them, and I think three of them came on the final drive when they were just throwing Hail Marys the whole time. So this Rams offense isn't taking any shots downfield, and I mean – Britt's probably going to have to break a tackle or two just to pick up a big gain, you know? So I, I just do not like trusting that at all this week. Yeah, I thought that, I mean, Goff was fine throwing down the field in college. I thought that maybe he would bring more of a deep, but I think Jeff Fisher would be happy if he threw behind the line of scrimmage on every single throw. So Yeah, I, I definitely don't think it's Goff's fault at all. Just, just this offense is just completely has no imagination to it whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. And I, I unfortunately that's going to kill Kenny Britt, who had been having a great season. Um, and, uh, it's unfortunate having a bit of a renaissance because in his, you know, age 27 or 28 season, whatever he is, even though he's been in the league since 1997. Uh, another guy that's uh, been in the league a long time, it seems like, is Philip Rivers, who was a solid option before the bye, he averaged 290 yards and over two touchdowns in the last three games before the break. But he has to travel to face a tough Texans defense that really held down Derek Carr. I know he got the two late touchdowns, but if you really look at that game, Carr was Carr was in trouble most of it. Can Rivers be trusted in lineups this week? I really don't like Rivers this week on the road, like you said. I know Texans are coming off a short week. Uh, they they definitely looked gassed on defense late in that game and that and that high altitude in Mexico City, but I still trust him to come back home and play well. A.J. Boye is playing all, out of his mind at cornerback. Uh, Jonathan Joseph still there. Cream Jackson's still there. And you, you saw Derek Carr's most of his uh, production came through running backs. I think he had 202 passing yards and two touchdowns just to running backs, so... I can't rely on that all, every week. And going on the road, they've the Texans have allowed the fourth fewest fancy points to quarterbacks. I just don't like this spot for Rivers at all. But I do love his playoff schedule. I'll say I'll say that much. I mean, he gets Tampa Bay next week at Carolina, the week after that versus Oakland, and then at Cleveland. So his his pl fancy playoff schedule is just dynamite. Yeah, I was gonna say I agree with you about this week, but you're not you're not gonna cut Rivers with that schedule. I mean, he has starting consideration in all of those games. And he's probably a top seven option at worst against the Bucks, Raiders, and Browns. The Panthers are playing better defensive late, but he's going to he's going to be very good in the playoffs. Maybe not this week, but but I feel very good about him in the playoffs. All right, that's that's it. Excellent stuff as always, Nick. Make sure you read his column. It's up right now on RotorWorld.com. Pull it up on your phone. Pull it up on the on the tablet. Avoid avoid your family and read some great stuff from <laughs> Nick. You can also find him on Twitter at Nick Minzio or every single Thursday on this very episode of the Roto World Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks, Nick, and have a great Thanksgiving. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. And we are back with Rich Rebar. You can find him on the Tweety Machine at Lord Reeves. You can find his must-read weekly column, The Worksheet, every single Wednesday on rotoworld.com. You can find him on this very episode of the Rotor World Football Podcast every week. Thanks for coming on, as always, Rich. And uh, how's it going? How are you feeling about Thanksgiving? Yeah, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Here we are. You know, it's uh, I do appreciate on a, a short week the NFL not having any bye weeks, and you know, for the first time, you know, since week 
week three, so we had to not only have a holiday week, but you know we've got that full slate of games to cover uh, for all our analysis. So I do appreciate the NFL giving us that. So I guess we're thankful for that, NFL. Yeah, I guess people are hearing this on Thanksgiving. Um, we record this on a Wednesday. At this point in time, right now, when people are listening to this, what type of pie are you currently eating? Because I know you're eating pie, but what kind do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm an apple pumpkin pie guy for sure. Um, both of both of those, you gotta go. Oh, both pies. I was thinking that you had you had developed some type of apple pumpkin hybrid. Oh, and yeah. And I was very I interested in that. Yeah, I wish that that were true. I might get down on that too. But yeah, I'm just both both pies separate. But yeah, I'm into those. I mean, you gotta go like true whipped cream though. Like you can't like. I, I get in this big fight with my mother-in-law every year because she's a Cool Whip person. Like, Cool Whip's a no-go. It's a no-go. See, I I like a little Cool Whip. I don't know what Cool Whip is. I think Cool Whip might be a bit of a Southern thing. I'm not sure. But I'm about that Cool Whip life. Uh, oh, it, man. You can just like the eat real it out of the cream. tub. <laughs> real whipped cream. What are you talking about, real whipped cream? It's I want that processed nonsense. <laughs> Whipped cream, just like it comes out of the cow. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have those? I thought Texas had yeah, we, whipped cream cows. No, Texas, we don't have we don't have whipped cream cows. All right. So sorry. Yeah, I, I'm so excited about the food. We can't stop talking about. It. Let's let's maybe talk about a little bit of football here. And it is going to be an exciting day of football on Thursday. We actually have three games that look pretty good, or at least two games that look good, and and one game that looked good before news earlier this week about Andrew Luck. But let's talk about the other side of that game in Ben Roethlisberger, who has a couple competing narratives this mm-hmm. week. He's absolutely shredded the Colts recently i mean like 886 yards in two games with 10 touchdowns and no interceptions just crazy crazy fantasy numbers but he's been something of a fantasy disaster on the road the last three seasons so which narrative do you think wins out this week yeah you touched on it i mean he's had two monster games last time he's faced the colts and those games were at home his road woes have been well documented to this point i mean in 19 games on the road over the past three seasons he's thrown 19 touchdowns and 19 interceptions over the same span, he's played 18 games at home, and he's thrown 54 touchdowns to 13 interceptions in those games. And that's a large enough sample to to stock and consider, but it's still just one data, data point uh, amongst a sea of positive ones that should suggest that Ben should crush this game. I mean, while you're heating up night servings of that Thanksgiving food and hopefully getting some more of that pie, uh, the Colts are allowing 419 yards per game at home. That's the most in the league. They're allowing 28 passing yards per drive. Uh, that's the most in the league. They're allowing a league high 340.6 passing yards per game to opposing quarterbacks at home this year. And they've thrown allowed multiple touchdown passes uh, in seven straight games. That's including guys like Brian Hoyer, Nick Foles, Brock Osweiler. Uh, and on top of that, opponents have scored on 48% of their possessions versus the Colts. That's the second highest rate in the league. And, you know, just this put a little more uh, cool whip on top of that. Monte Davis uh, was just hobbling around the field last week. Probably isn't going to go this week, so uh, Antonio Brown should feast. So, I mean, I think that the the, the narrative of the, the road splits are something to consider, but they're just overwhelming positives in Big Ben's corner, and I think the big picture says that to get Ben in this week. Yeah, I think that he's definitely a starting quarterback in, in season-long leagues. I have no doubt about that. I will say, I mean... You mentioned all the good things. With Scott Tolzien in there, there is a concern that we mm-hmm. see something like the Cleveland game last week in which 
the Colts are just not able to score. They're not able to move the football. And the Steelers are like, they're okay to leave with the win. They don't really need to put Ben in danger. They can just give the ball to Le'Veon Bell, you know, 25 times and call it a game. That's a that's a concern that that could happen on top of the road splits. I, I Like I said, he definitely, if you have him, he needs to be in your lineup. But I think that Ben is someone that I'm going to be fading on the Thanksgiving slate. If you're looking for like in those short slates, how can I get off people that a lot of people are going to be on? I think there's a pretty good case to be made that Ben is the guy you should be fading at quarterback on the slate. Yeah. And in cash things and cash lineups, I think that's definitely uh, where you want to go. He's the most expensive guy that to pay up for. Uh, you can go under, you know, cousins, Dak, you can get some ownership on those guys. If you're going to go super cheap and punt with Tolzine uh, to stack studs, you can, but I mean, yeah, I think this is a, it's in most cash formats, you're going to want to come off of Ben and, you know, stack, stack Zeke and Le'Veon. So after closing out a win a couple weeks ago, with some strong running Rashad Jennings came out looked like the clear lead back against the Bears last week he has a great matchup against the Browns on tap which just mentioned Le'Veon Bell shredded last week how highly can we value Rashad Jennings this week yeah this is a Rust Cole special you know time is a flat circle Rashad Jennings is once (laughs) again here for the late season surge after being irrelevant for fantasy teams for over half of the season Last week, he touched on it. He played 70% of the team snaps last week. That was his highest total in a game since week 11 of 2014. Uh, And he's had back-to-back games of 100 yards from scrimmage. He should get plenty of work again this week against the woeful Browns defense that is just hemorrhaging points to everyone. The Browns have allowed 24 or more points in 12 consecutive games. That's the longest streak uh, in the league since 1963. Uh, Opposing teams have rushed 54% of the time in the second half against the Browns. It's the second highest in the league. And 64% of their offensive plays in the fourth quarter. That's the highest rate in the league. So, I mean, there should be plenty of opportunity for Jennings to stack volume in this one. The Giants haven't rushed for 100 yards as a team in three straight games in nearly two years. But there's solid odds that that happens this Sunday. And uh, I think Jennings is in play. Uh, to be like a fringe RB1, you know, if everything goes its way. Yeah, I don't think this running game is good. I still don't think it's good, but it just might not matter yep. against the Browns. <laughs> I, I think he's a top 15 back this week, which is really crazy to think about when you kind of you consider where he was a couple weeks ago with a rookie maybe stealing his job. Certainly doesn't look like the case now. Another guy on the come up is Demarius Thomas, who has really turned it on the last five games, is at least 10 targets in every single one of those contests. The fantasy scoring has not consistently been there yet, but do you think that's going to change this week against the Chiefs? Yeah, I do. You touched on it. Yeah, 10 or more targets in five straight games. That's the longest active streak in the league. Uh, Thomas has also, you know, kind of seen red when facing the Chiefs as he's got 100 yards or a touchdown in seven of his past eight games against Kansas City. Now, the bulk of those games kind of came when the Denver offense was good, uh, you know, but targeting the receiver who runs opposite of Marcus Peters has been a fruitful endeavor for fantasy purposes all season long. That's going to be Thomas this week. Uh, he runs... Uh, a little bit under 45% of his routes from the left side of the field. When you look at receivers on the left side of the field uh, against the Chiefs, they've torched him. Michael Thomas had 8 for 90 uh, on that side of the field. Amari, 6 for 85. Kelvin, 5 for 62. Allen Robinson, 4 for 52. Will Fuller, 3 for 51. I mean, five receivers have caught uh, touchdowns on that side of the field against the Chiefs. So I think that um, with Emmanuel Sanders kind of be tied up with Marcus Peters a little more, and I'm not scared of Marcus Peters anyways, um, but that, that left side of the field has been a real bugaboo for the Chiefs defense because they don't move their their secondary players on defense that's where Thomas is going to be and I think he's got a good shot to to score a touchdown in this one and stack yardage uh, against the Chiefs defense that he's had success against you know I still have a hard time with the fact that 
Sanders has, even in the last four games, seen more red zone targets than Thomas. It just hasn't ha- it hasn't turned into touchdowns yet. I think at some point that's going to change. But I've kind of resigned myself to Thomas being the better play at this point. And like you said, the matchup is certainly there for him to have a pretty good game. Another guy that's set to have a good game, even though you might not think it based on the fact they're playing the Vikings, is Eric Ebron, who has at least 70 yards in all three games since he's come back from injury. He hung 92 on the Vikings in Week 9. Is he a safe bet, even somebody that you're targeting for that Thanksgiving Day slate? Yeah, I like Ebron a lot since returning from injury. He's been the tight end 7, the tight end 7, the tight end 3 in PPR leagues. He's up to 21.9% of the team targets uh, back from injury after seeing 16.2% of targets when he was active prior to injury. You touched on he's at 70 yards in all three of those games, including one against the Vikings. The Vikings have you know no trouble smothering opposing wide receivers this year, but they have been giving up production to opposing tight ends. They have a lot of top 10 scoring tight end in four straight games, 89 receiving yards per game to the position. They even let Jermaine Gresham score a touchdown last week against them. So yeah, I think Ebron is like a really solid you know safe floor tight end you know coming into this week. Yeah, and I if I'm looking at the Thanksgiving slate, which I, I've talked about it like think twice at least now the thanksgiving slate in dfs is a ton of fun i love playing it i think there's a decent chance he's pretty low owned he's the second most expensive tight end on both sites he's more expensive than kyle rudolph if people aren't going to pay off for jordan reed pay up for jordan reed i think they're going to skip him and maybe go further down the list so i imagine kyle rudolph's going to be in more lineups i imagine reed probably will i think ebron's a play i like him quite quite a bit this week Uh, Are you kind of leaning that way in your lineups too? Yeah, I do like Ebron. I think you're right. I think a lot of people are just going to jump down and chase the touchdown from Rudolph uh, against the Lions because they're trying to wedge both backs. You know, everyone's trying to wedge Le'Veon and Zeke in where they can, and you've got to get Antonio Brown in, of course. So, I mean, everyone's going to be looking to pinch some pennies there, but I love Ebron as as like a lower ownership guy. And if you're going to win tournaments on these slates, you're going to have to to do it with these types of players. Um, you know, everyone's going to be on the chalky guys in those kind of short slate tournaments. So you're going to have to use a guy that's not going to have the ownership. You know, and Ebron, like you said, being underneath Jordan Reed and to the other guys is going to be really uh, advantageous to get him in the lineup. Absolutely. It's also why on the Adam Thalen train, let's do it. Oh, yeah, we're here. I wish I wish uh, Diggs was, was going to play for sure uh, for Thalen because it, it's going to bump his ownership up a little bit because I thought he was a decent play even with Diggs active. Yeah, man, I'm on it. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, so thanks for coming on, Rich. As always, have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. Remember, you can follow Rich on Twitter, at Lord Reeves. You can find his work at rotorworld.com. Same story for Nick Minzio. He's also on Twitter, at Nick Minzio. I'm on Twitter, at RM Summerlin. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast anywhere you find it. If you're thankful for the podcast, please help us out. And uh, have a wonderful holiday, and we'll talk to you next week. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial. 
And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 